ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 5th, 2022 episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source. You could check us out through social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, of course, the YouTube channel uh, with videos that are on that YouTube channel. Um, And for those that you know, didn't catch the live stream, of course, you know, the thing is available through iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or whatever you use for your podcast apps, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, what we got here for this particular episode is we're going to be breaking down uh, the uh, action um, that was, you know, over in Minnesota and also in Australia. Uh, as we're going to you know, talk about, of course, the Fulton Roman fight and David Morrell Jr. versus Calvin Henderson. Uh, we're going to be uh, going over that a little bit as well. Plus, like I said, the undisputed lightweight title fight that took place in Australia between George Cambosa Jr. and Devin Haney. Uh, but what we're going to jump on first is the action that was over in the Minneapolis Armory. So we're pretty much going to go uh, from that. Uh, you had the unified Super Bantamweight champion and the 2021 Boxing Source Fighter of the Year, Cool Boy Steph, Stephen Fulton, uh, making his defense of those unified titles against uh, former champion Daniel Ramon. Uh, of course, uh, yeah, Stephen Fulton there that came in with a record of 20 wins and zero losses. Daniel Ramon with the record of 29 wins, three losses, and one draw. Of course, uh, Daniel Ramon had his bout against uh, MJ, uh, you know, uh, Vidaliev, uh, you know, in um, that particular fight, you know, uh, people thought that he should have got the nod in that bout that was back in 2020 against MJ Akhmadaliev, uh, but he ended up uh, on the short end of the stick there, lost the other versions of the Super Bantamweight title uh, before having, having a couple wins uh, against Juan Carlos Payano and Ricardo Franco before his bout here against Cool Boy Steph. And you know, with uh, Fulton, Fulton, course uh, came in as the unified champion had the WBO title after defeating Angelo Leo for it and then after that defeating Brandon Figueroa to become unified champion and beating those two world champions both of those guys were undefeated and it was uh, part of the streak where he ended up having 
fights against four consecutive fighters that were unbeaten. And with those two wins that he had in 2021, that's what placed him as the boxing source fighter of the year for 2021. So this was the first defense of those unified titles, WBC and WBO. Uh, of course, you know, leading into the bout, you know, the talk about this was that, you know, Stephen Fulton was, when he was on his way up, he wanted to get one of those title shots against Daniel Ramon uh, and wasn't able to get it. And, you know, Daniel Ramon acknowledged that. He was like, yeah, I, at the time, I, I didn't want to, you know, give um, Stephen Fulton a shot. And, you know, it looked like here, I think we kind of saw why. And, and, and you've seen that Stephen Fulton in this particular bout, you know, show why, you know, not only, you know, why I pretty much mentioned him as the fighter of the year from last year, but why he should, he is listed on my list for top pound for pound fighters in the sport, you know, and uh, actually coming up next week, next week we'll have, the uh, new list of the pound for pound rankings, top 10 pound for pound rankings for the boxing source. So y'all be sure to check that out uh, next week. But, you know, when it comes to this particular bout, uh, Stephen Fulton just, just showed that he was on a whole nother level than Daniel Ramon. He was, you know, much faster, much sharper than Daniel Ramon. Ramon couldn't really keep up with the guy. You know, um, it just showed that uh, Stephen Fulton was just much better than Daniel Ramon on, on every phase. And, you know, he's one of those uh, guys that's a uh, very hard worker when it comes to, you know, being in the gym, whether, you know, it's uh, his, you know, his own gym that he has or other gyms that are within this city, uh, city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, of course. Uh, but, you know, he was just sticking with his jab and anything that, uh, Roman was throwing, he was either, you know, dodging it, blocking it, or coming back with a, you know, a uh, counter shot. And it was just a, 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 a real good performance there for Stephen Fulton. And the three judges were almost in complete agreement. You know, uh, Mike Fitzgerald, Patrick Morley, and, and Nathan Palmer gave Stephen Fulton 11 of the 12 rounds. Well, at least all three of them did, but two of them gave them all 12 rounds. So you had two scores of 120 to 108 and one score of 119 to 109 in favor of Stephen Fulton for him to defend the WBC and WBO Super Bantamweight titles. He stays unbeaten. Um, he stays, you know, there at the level of uh, high-level uh, fights uh, there at that Super Bantamweight division. You know, and uh, with him, you know, having those two belts, and of course, uh, MJ Akhmadalev having the other two. I mean, for me, it's more about, you know, when will that time come when those two guys fight each other for the undisputed titles? MJ is scheduled to fight Ronnie Rios uh, over in San Antonio on the 25th of this month. Uh, for, you know, his uh, next defense of those unified titles. Um, but, you know, after that, you know, we gotta, they got to get it moving. I say they got to get it moving as far as uh, seeing about uh, having that fight between MJ Akhmedaliev and uh, Seaman Fulton for those undisputed titles. I mean, I don't see, I don't see why 
that couldn't really happen. I know that there's you know, a little bit of a situation there where um, you might have some, uh, you know, mandatories coming up, so to speak, uh, for, for these guys. You know, um, you know, Stephen Fulton has already, you know, defeated Daniel Ramon, who, you know, was, uh, you know, either the top guy or one of the top guys in the rankings for the title belts that Stephen Fulton held. So right now it's just a matter of him, you know, waiting on MJ to go through his particular uh, defense against Ronnie Rios, who's the top guy in the WBA rankings. And after that, then they should just go ahead and have that fight for the undisputed titles. Now, if that doesn't happen, you know, maybe, and this is a very small chance, very small chance that if one particular person down division below is able to get the win in his bout it's coming up in a few days then he could move up and face stephen fulton and that would probably be one of the best fights that could happen south of 126 pounds that's out there clearly clearly because i don't see you know anyone in um you know, in uh, 115, going up to 118 to fight the monster, the buzzsaw. So I say that person, if he gets the win coming up on Tuesday, uh, then he should find a way to move up to 122 and uh, get that bout uh, there against Stephen Fulton, you know, because outside of that, you know, um, Either he's going to go for undisputed at that particular weight class or move up. But, you know, back to a Stephen Fulton's win. Uh, I mean, it just shows that, you know, he and I know that he, he kind of like said before this fight that he really doesn't care about, you know, critics or those or fans or whatever it is and, and things like that. And that, you know, not enough people recognize him. Uh, but you got a few people around that, you know, like I said, that they recognize him as one of the better fighters in the sport of boxing. You know, I know that they were talking about it on Showtime. You know, Mauro Ronaldo uh, was saying that, you know, Stephen Fulton is one of the better overall fighters in the sport of boxing. And it's kind of like shown that in, in his uh, fights that he's had, you know, so far is that, you know, he's there. Um like I said, 21 and 0, um, had, you know, multiple fights against the guys with undefeated records. I told told you about the string of four fighters, uh, four consecutive fighters that were undefeated. Um, you know, he's defeated uh guys like Joshua Greer Jr., you know, was notable. Uh Adam Lopez, Blue Nose Lopez, uh, that's out there too. So that that's part of his uh, you know, resume. And that's early in his career. I mean, like, like I said, he only had 21 professional fights so far. That's it. You know, and, and he was able to, you know, do do this uh, within 21 fights. 21 fights, 21 wins. Uh, one of the um, better resumes in the sport of boxing, especially uh, around that, uh, you know, 118, 122, 126 um, weight classes, you know. So I think Stephen Fulton, um, you know, depending on what, what he does here next, 
uh, if he's able to get another fight here in uh, 2022, he, he should be recognized as one of the better fighters in, in, in the sport, not just in the division, but in the sport. And, you know, like I said, if it's not against uh, MJ Akhmedaliev, who, you know, if he gets through his uh, uh, bout against Ronnie Rios, then we might see Stephen Fulton in a, in a much bigger fight. We'll see. Uh, but, um, but you know, that being said, with, um, you know, with uh, him defeating Daniel Ramon, like I said, a former world champion, former uh, unified world champion, whatnot, I mean, that that's... That's another uh, tip on his cap there as far as like what uh, Stephen Fulton has done, you know, over the course of his professional career. And, uh, you know, I'd say uh, hats off to him, you know, kudos to him uh, for doing that, for putting in that work, you know. So that's the thing about that. Um, but real quick, uh, before we get into that co-feature about uh, what happened in Minnesota, uh, we're going to add in another one of our panelists here, uh, checking in from Atlanta. Um, it is the boxing academic in the building. Uh, what's going on, Chief? Uh, maybe, maybe boxing academic is <laughs> he's uh, still, uh, I guess he's out there mowing the lawn, uh, again or something like that. Um, not seeing them, uh, be unmuted here, but I'll see if we get, uh, get back in here later, later on. Um, wanted to jump into that. Uh, co feature about real quick uh, before a uh, boxing academic is able to check in. Uh, and that was the uh, fight for that WBA regular super middleweight uh, title. Uh, David Morrell Jr. against Calvin Henderson. Calvin Henderson came in with a record of 15 wins, one loss, and one draw. David Morrell, the WBA champion, uh, unbeaten at 6 and 0. Uh, of course, has had uh, multiple fights. Um, there at the um, armory in Minneapolis, and uh, he's pretty much like had that as his adopted home. You know what I'm saying? So um, for him, I haven't. I think this was like his. Um, what is it like? His third, his third consecutive fight uh, there at uh, the armory. Uh, he's had like. Four of his seven fights, I think it was. Yeah, like one, two, three. Yeah, four of his uh, fights uh, over there in the Minneapolis Armory. So uh, this one here is kind of like, of course, one of his hometown fights. That's where he resides in his Minneapolis. Uh, just uh, seeing here, check one more time. Uh, Boxing Academic is uh, checked back in. I think he had some audio problems. But uh, you, you, you there with us, uh, Academic? Hey, what's going on, James? Yeah, all right, you all good now, man. What's good with you? Never much. Just cutting grass as usual. Yeah, see, my, uh, <laughs> my earpiece act like it don't want to work, so I'm gonna be on speakerphone. So don't say no, don't curse, don't curse. You gonna make me look bad don't, with my neighbor. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's other other uh, columnists that usually do that, but I'll, I'll see. You. Yeah, don't don't invite Matt today. <laughs> Because uh, if right. I tell him that, he's going to do it to spite me. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. He be low-key hating on you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, me and Matt cool. He don't, he don't hate. He don't hate. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, a hater, but he, he don't hate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm um, you know, getting on the thing there for what happened on uh, Showtime. I did talk about the 
Stephen Fulton, Daniel Ramon fight now, jumping into that David Morrell, uh, Calvin Henderson, you know, where David Morrell ended up stopping Calvin Henderson. Uh, referee Luis Pabon stepped in uh, to stop the bout in the fourth round. Uh, was, you know, I get, you know, David Morrell was just too much for, you know, Calvin Henderson. I know that, you know, Henderson was kind of like trying to compete and stuff like that, but David Morrell is, just too, you know, too talented of a fighter, man. And, and he knows that he has a whole lot of momentum, you know, going for him. Um, you know, crazy thing with him is, is like, here he is about seven fights in, and four of those seven fights have been, well, at least they've been scheduled for 12 rounds. And in his third fight against uh, Lennox Allen for the interim belt, uh, that went full, to, you know, the full 12 rounds, you know. So he's gone 12 rounds before, and that, that's something rare that you don't uh, see in the sport of boxing, you know. I know that people talk about, oh, my God, you know, Lomachenko was doing all this in the second and third fight. Well, hey, here you got, you know, David Morrell Jr. fighting for an interim title in his third professional fight, and he went all 12 rounds. You know, was able to get the win, and uh, after that, has not been past the fourth round. So uh, he's you know riding the wave of uh, you know what he's been doing so far, and he is able to defend that WBA version of the super middleweight title or the regular version, of course. Um, and I'm like, everyone knows that the uh, super champion, quote unquote, of the WBA is. So Canelo Alvarez, who is scheduled to face the Golovkin guy in September. And so uh, that means that the super middleweight division is going to have to be uh, active in a sense, as far as like the top fighters or the higher rated fighters in that division. And David Morrell, of course, has been very vocal about uh certain guy that was a former world champion that, you know, did have his, uh, you know, recent bout uh, over in, you know, uh, the Phoenix area. Uh, and that is uh, David Benavidez. And David Benavidez is the interim champion for the WBC. And David Morella said, hey, man, you ain't no boogeyman. Listen, I'll fight you right now. And you know, he's been saying that for a while. And David Benavidez said he don't really mind facing, you know, David Morrell at this particular point of his career. Uh, and, and Benavidez's uh, promoter, or whatever it is, uh, Samson Lukowitz has basically hinted that David Morrell would be likely the next opponent for David Benavidez. And so, you know, with that being said, uh, fight between those two young guys that would that would really be a, a really be a, a a barn burner of a fight you know um morell is 24 you know 24 years old david benavidez is 25 years old so you got two young guys you know there that are you know on the uh, you know under uh you know 26 or whatnot and both of those guys are undefeated. Both of those guys can, you know, really crack. You know, they stop, you know, multiple opponents. Um, and and that fight would be one of the bigger fights there in the, you know, in the super middleweight division. I'm definitely looking forward to that. You know, uh, but uh, with that being said, um, boxing academic, 
Um, anything on uh, David Morrell Jr. and, um, you know, first with his performance uh, against Calvin Henderson and also uh, him potentially fighting David Benavidez later this year? So I only really saw the end of the fight. Um, so I can't really speak on his performance per se because I didn't watch it fully. I only just watched the end. And it kind of looked like everybody was ready to uh, ready to go. You know, like everybody was like, okay, you, you've uh, made a few stands and it's time to leave. So I can't really speak on his performance. <laughs> so it's basically, uh, eh, it is what it is. He, he got in there, he got the win, and, and that's that uh, <laughs> for David Burrell. <laughs> Um, but um, what do you think about him overall as far as, like, what, what his potential uh, chances are against uh, someone like David Benavidez? Well, you know, we always say people who don't get challenged, it's hard to tell how good they are because the guy he was facing, at least from the two, three rounds I saw, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to show me that he should be on that level. Uh, I think he has to get tested a bit more. And then from there, you can make that opinion. Obviously, he's very talented and he has people behind him, but it, you can't rate him because he ain't really been tested. So I would say right now, I would not favor him against Benavidez just based off of uh, not not having uh, the test to judge him. Yeah, not having a test, not, you know, not having enough fights. You know, like I said, I mean, he's only been seven fights in and uh you know he's faced uh Yendris Rodriguez uh Quentin Rankin Lennox Allen who was I mean he was undefeated but I mean it's you know I don't know if that many people would know about Lennox Allen uh Mike Gavronsky um you know we stopped him in three took out Mario Cazares in one round uh defeated Alante Spots you know um you know, within four rounds and stuff like that. Um, and also, you know, with this recent bout against Calvin Henderson. So that's seven fights. And I know that um, a good number of these guys have had over um, or at least over 15 professional fights uh, for like, you know, six or seven guys um, or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, still, like you said, it, it's not, you know, much of a, resume or much of a gaze that would say like hey he could really compete against someone like david benavidez you know and with benavidez you know having all of those fights against you know will who is it will the thrill gorill uh you know and of course his uh recent win over um david lemieux uh you had his fight last year against Kyron davis and uh ron ellis too and uh, Romer and Gulo, Anthony Durrell, Jay Leon Love. Uh, those are those are the fighters that David Benavidez has faced and was able to stop all of those guys. Like uh, except for you know Gravel. You know Gravel was uh, you know he was able to have uh, two 12 round decision wins over Ron Gravel. Uh, but you know he's faced you know Porky Medina uh, where he had that 15 punch combination or whatever it was. Uh, he's faced then it's Dublin, France, and tend to uh, multiple fighters. So that kind of like says uh, what David Benavidez has been able to do. Now, um, there is uh, another uh, columnist uh, coming in here. 
uh, checking in from Tampa. Uh, good to see that uh, he is able to jump on here. Um, Brother Terrell is checking in. Um, you know, hopefully everything is all good over there uh, in Tampa and whatnot. I know it was like kind of stormy out there for a little bit, but should be all good now, ain't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Word. So, um, you got in here uh, while I was talking about uh, David Morrell Jr. Of course, he had his, uh, you know, win over Calvin Henderson. You know, it was a quick little bout for him in a sense. Within four rounds, that's been, you know, mostly his MO is that other than that one time that he went to full swell, he's pretty much stopped the rest of his opponents within four rounds. So, I mean, he looks like he, you know, some people say he's the goods. And like I said, he, he said that he wants David Benavidez right now. And so I'm like, hey, if he wants to face David Benavidez, hey, I mean, I guess he wants to go go ahead with it. Um, but, you know, like I said, David Benavidez is a former WBC super middleweight champion and did not lose the belt in the ring. So, I mean, you say he's still undefeated. So, uh, if they actually go forward with this bout later this year, that's going to be a real barn burner of a fight. Well, yeah, I, I and kind of like kind of like Mike, I didn't get a chance to see that fight. I know we talked about that fight last week because uh, as of yet, I have not been able to see him fight yet just to get a, a proper assessment of who he is, his skill set, things like that, and what he brings to the rings. But – the first thing I'll say is is, is the, fact, the fact that he he ver verbally states he wants to fight David Benavides is so refreshing, right? And the reason why I say that, uh, while we know about Canelo's going going up and down from uh, super middleweight to light heavyweight things like that, uh, there's been just extreme reluctance on the the remaining participants at 168 to fight each other, and whether it be David and and not not necessarily for David Benavides. He's called out Charlo. Uh, he's expressed interest in fighting uh, Andre. Prior to him moving up to one one sixty eight, even which which still not official yet. Uh, he wants to fight Kata Plant and all the other people that there are the uh, significant uh, stakeholders at one sixty eight. Mm -hmm. So for this guy to to verbally say he wants to fight what's been known as the boogeyman of the division is refreshing because we do not get that often at all. Uh, not just not just at 168, but pretty much in uh, other divisions also. Would it be at lightweight 135, or even even uh, uh, welterweight to a, to to a degree in that regard? Because there's there's fights that that can be made. Like for example, at, at welterweight, we know we got uh, Ennis out there, who who's uh, uh, calling out other people like that, but they don't want to fight him because he's an up and coming fighter. I mean, the guy's established now. But uh, pretty much people think he's a uh, high-risk, lower-reward fight at this point. So for this guy that wants to say he wants to fight uh, David Benavides, and Benavides reciprocates, said, "I'll take the fight. Let's make it happen." We just don't see that often at all, yeah. you know, because we're we're, yeah. we're in that age of protect your protect protect your O, protect your zero, you know. So, so I'm I'm definitely gonna go back this week and watch that on Showtime because I, I need to definitely get educated on who this guy is and what he can do. It's just kind of just kind of project on how how good he is, how far he can go, things like that, uh, uh, strengths, weaknesses, stuff like that. You know, so that that all matters because that all comes in in terms of uh, matchmaking and things like that. So, you know, 
because you know sometimes you can hide behind matchmaking, Canelo, mm -hmm. you know that, uh, cherry picking things like that. But if you're a true and bona fide fighter, you can adjust your style to uh, be a would be a boxer puncher or puncher puncher boxer things like that at all. So I'm definitely going to go back and watch him uh, within this uh, uh, probably tomorrow or this week. Definitely sometimes we start getting to study on who he is. Definitely. Yeah, and um, I mean, you'll, you'll be able to see his overall skill set and, and things like that and, and his fights uh, that he had well here, you know, against Calvin Henderson. Uh, of course, his uh, previous bout against Alante Fox, uh, that was in the same uh, venue. Um, you know, I got I to gotta look back, too, because I, I, I think that I was in the building when he had his second pro fight against Quentin Rankin over in the uh, MGM National Harbor over this way in the D.C. area. Uh, but, like, he he's kind of, like, is showing, like, uh, that he could really do some things. But uh, note about that fight against Quentin Rankin, that was actually um, north of 168 pounds. You know, that was at, like, he was uh, weighing in a little bit over 170 pounds for that particular bout. So, that, that's crazy that you go from, you know, being there at 170 pounds or weighing in at 170 in his second pro fight. And then in the third pro fight, he was able to win the interim WBA super middleweight title and has kind of like had the string of knockouts since then. Uh, but the other good, you know, the good point that you brought up, Terrell, is that, yeah, I mean, you you see this guy, he's 6-0, now 7-0, whatever it is, and he's challenging the more established guys in the super middleweight division, those guys that were you know, former world champions and David Benavidez and Caleb Plant and, and, and guys like that. And with David Benavidez, he's, you know, you know, there to reciprocate because he's like, man, I, you know, I'll take on all challenges. He kind of like brought up that point when, uh, uh, you know, weeks back when they were talking about Canelo saying, hey, these guys could fight each other, you know, and stuff like that. Well, you know, Benavidez said, okay, cool. I'll fight. I'll fight all these guys. I don't care. And he's like, you know, even with that, um, uh, that, when he had that stoppage win over David Lemieux, he's like, yo, uh, Plant, Morel, Charlo, where the contract at? You know what I'm saying? Where the contract at? Y'all want to fight me? Where the contract at? So he, he's willing to, he, well, at least he's saying that he's willing to face all of those guys. Uh, but on the flip side, like you had with the example of Jerome Buzinis, he's there. He's a young guy. He's like 20, what, 26, 27 and 0. You know, uh, all but a couple of those fights have been uh, by KO or stoppage, and he's trying to call out those guys like the, the Sean Porters and the, and the Keith Thurmans and, you know, of course, the title holders there, Errol Spence and, what, and Terrence Crawford and whatnot, uh, but, you know, they're not necessarily reciprocating. I know that, you know, Spence and Crawford are slated to fight each other, you know, even though that there's some haters out there that still want, still think that that fight's not going to happen. It's going to happen. Um and, and with those guys, you know, being busy, it's like, okay, where are these other top, you know, top-level guys at welterweight that would want to face uh, Boots Ennis? And you don't really see that. You don't really see, you know, someone like a Keith Thurman who's been established, who's been a unified champion, uh, saying like, hey, he, he doesn't want to, you know, kind of like mess up his, you know, bread or his status in order to face someone up and come in like, like a Jerome Boots Ennis, you know? Um, and, and, and a while back, you know, it was like Sean Porter, you know, he pretty much like said, Hey, I mean, that that's too much, you know, for, for the amount of money, you know, I'm trying to keep my status. And like you said, high risk, low reward, 
I mean, even Boots Ennis's father, you know, said that, you know, uh, you know, shout out to Bozy Ennis, Coach Bozy Ennis. He said, hey, these guys know that it's a, it's a high risk fighting someone like Boots, you know, because if you lose and you lose badly, that's it. It's a wrap, you know. So for someone like David Benavidez and, and his, uh, you know, his promoter, Samson Liquid, saying like he's openly, uh, available to having David Benavidez fight David Morrell, uh, that, that's a good thing to hear. You know what I mean? So I, I like that. I really do like that. Um, I did like kind of talk about the uh, fight between Stephen Fulton Jr. and Daniel Roman, where uh, Fulton Jr. almost pitched a near shutout against Daniel Roman and kind of like showed that he is, you know, one of the better fighters there at 122 pounds and probably uh, south of uh, 126. Although you could probably say that from 126 on down, he's probably the best fighter out there. Yeah, I know that uh, Nayo Inouye is in that range, but we'll see what Inouye does first on Tuesday. And if he gets through that, then they might be able to fight each other. But Terrell, if you um, uh, was able to check out uh, anything with that Fulton Roman fight, you could uh, drop your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, once again, I didn't get a chance to see the Fulton fight. But in our last podcast, uh, during our closing closing remarks, I made a statement where I said I want to see Fun grow into his defenses, uh, grow into that division, and I mean not 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 not, not, not he's new to the division, but but grow into a, a, the the performance of a champion, mm-hmm. and scores certainly reflected that, and I'm I'm just so glad to see that uh, that he gave a definitive performance, gave no doubt. And certainly put the rest of the division on notice, and also fight, fighters that uh, that could come to fruition within that division, things like that. So, um, like I'm gonna definitely go back and watch that this week and everything. But just, I, I'm honestly, I mean, sometimes you just, I mean, we we just talk as as boxing analysts at in 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 time, but sometimes we're just we're just glad to see a certain result come out. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Not not like for example the Haney fight. We'll get to that. I know that. But for the Fulton fight, right? Uh, prior to that, when he fought Figueroa, there was uh, a lot of people just kind of hating on him. He's not good enough. Figueroa's going to take him out and take his belt, things like that. And right. it was, that just didn't happen. And now he, he beat Figueroa. He's now going on to his, his uh, defense of his uh, unified title, things like that. And not, not just that, he gave a great and a brilliant performance. And like I said the main thing, the scores were reflective of that performance. So so there can be, basically, if there's any any haters out there, shut up. And because Mike said that he can't have no cussing, I should cuss up a storm right now, even though I'm probably not. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's I'm in the house now. You can say all the shit fucks and dams you want. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's not my normal forte. But but like I said, no, I'm just glad to see Fulton. Had a, a a commanding performance. Once again, the scores were reflective of that, and so just at, at this point now, he's going to get to the point where he can uh, call his shots, call his shots, and and fight, go and fight the fight. Say he wants to fight. If he keeps it up, nobody's, nobody's going to want to fight him. <laughs> if he keeps it up at this point, at that rate, yeah. Um, but 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 once again, I'm just as as a boxing fan, I'm just glad to see that brother uh, go out and do his thing and give a commanding performance. Definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, and, and the thing about it is, like I said, he's, you know, faced those multiple guys that were, you know, undefeated before he beat them. 
um, and you have like these other uh, fighters at at the at one twenty two that he could face. But as of right now, Stephen Fulton has defeated three of the top five rated fighters in the division from Ring Magazine, like number three, number four, and number five. He's beaten all three of them. There's only one fighter that he hasn't fought, and that's, of course, the other unified champion, MJ Medaliev. And if he has, like, if Medaliev is able to win his uh, bout against Ronnie Rios later this month, and they go forward and they have this particular bout for the undisputed titles, and Stephen Fulton wins that, then he'll have wins over everybody else that was rated in the top five. Now, I know that I've already named him Fighter of the Year <laughs> from last year, but that, that like, you would have, geez, you would have four consecutive, that's crazy. He could have four consecutive bouts against the, uh, the, uh, the other guys that are rated in the top five in Ring Magazine. That, like, you don't see that. You don't really see that in boxing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to be funny, but stuff like that will get you, even though you're young in the game, a spot on people's pound for pound list. I mean, outside of people being like paid and political and stuff, uh-huh. what I'm saying is his his claim to the throne is a legitimate claim. Obviously, he ain't no one number one or nothing. But all I'm saying is, like you said, that's a great stat to throw up. He has faced. Three out of the top five with him being the other one. So he only got one guy left to face. His claim at that that undisputed is a legitimate claim. It ain't no, oh, I fought somebody who ended up not being that good, you know? And let me ask you guys a question because there's, there's a certain uh, uh, frequent uh, panelist that comes on here pretty often, right, uh, that makes the statement. Uh, he, he basically states, I don't give a damn about the light lower weight divisions. Because the and reason why he says that uh, large because they're like, usually separated between two and four pounds things like that, right? But at the same time, I mean that that's his opinion. Six four six, that's his opinion. Everyone has their opinion. We know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't I don't I I don't follow that because for one you're boxing, right? You're you're a professional boxer, right? So what I said, you mastered a skill set, and that a lot of other people cannot do. We don't play boxing. You are a boxer. You're a boxer, things like that. So, I mean, but even even though you're in the lower lower weight divisions, sometimes it's just separated by four pounds, things like that. I don't care because you're you're a professional boxer. You're you're a championship boxer. In this case of Fulton, when we take a look at him, just look what like you like I said, this guy's just he's finding the top people in this division. He's yep. playing and just wiping them out. So I respect that. I respect the skill set. I respect all that all that goes along with that. Just just sacrifice the discipline, all of that. So. I'm definitely not uh, in concordance with saying, oh, because he's in the lower division, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I could care less. So, I, no, no, I respect that. I mean, I feel him to an extent. Like, you know, the fight that's happening two, three days from now don't necessarily make them number two pound per pound. You know, that's yeah. just propaganda. Yeah, yeah fair you on that one. Uh, you know, because... No, that's supposed to be something where, and I think with, with that particular bout, that's the rematch uh, there between Nairo and uh there and and Nonito Donaire. 
Yeah, yeah, they they did say that the last their last bout was like fight of the year material and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's something because you know, in a way, got his eye busted up. Uh, Nonito Donaire is supposed to like be a little bit past it. Um, you know, so it's like okay, if if Donaire is really past it, is it something about you know where in a way is at this particular point? Uh, or at least there at 118, or is it something where like Donaire is just able to defy, you know, what is it like odds or stuff like that, being at 39 years old, you know what I'm saying? Um, but you know, with, with, with that particular fight, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's supposed to be a unification bout, you know, of sorts, uh, and it, it'll pretty much like say, okay, who, who's the you know, top guy there at uh, 118. Uh, but, you know, it's almost like if you look at that particular division, the Bantamweight division, one, you don't really see, like, all of those guys that's, like, kind of, like, really facing each other. Like, Casemiro was supposed to fight uh, both of those guys at one point and, you know, had weight issues or scheduling issues and, and couldn't do that. And then uh, some of the other guys that are on that list either – in a way, he has beaten him already, or they, you know, he hasn't fought him, you know. So, you know, with that being said, um, it's still like a good number of things to sort out in that particular division. But, you know, outside of that, it's like, hey, if in a way gets this win, depending on his contract situation or whatever it is, he might be able to move up, uh, you know, move up a division and, 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 and fight, you know, one of those guys. Uh, or if he does stay at 118 uh, there, he could go up against Paul Butler for that uh, undisputed title. And, of course, like a lot of people would favor uh, in a way in that particular bout against Paul Butler. But, you know, still, if he just goes ahead and, uh, you know, is undisputed, then, then there's that. But, you know, given that, you know, with in a way, um, you know, I think a lot. Uh, there will be some people that'll give, in a way, a lot of credit if he's able to become undisputed at 118 pounds. And you know, it, it's just that, you know, like y'all were mentioning, uh, those guys are like you know, 118, 115, 112. You know, some some of them don't really get as much credit, you know, in pound for pound because of them moving up, you know, just two pounds or three pounds or four pounds or whatever it is, and things don't get significant until you get north of 130. It goes from like, you know, like I said, 115 to 118 to 122 to 126 to 130. And then it's just 135 and then 140. And then the the, the weight difference goes up a bit. But, you know, still, uh, I have to see like how much uh, your credit will be uh, like given out to, you know, someone like Naria anyway, if he does uh, go ahead and uh, the feast of there in in this uh, rematch here uh, coming up on Tuesday. So there's that. So that you know, kind of like is a quick little uh, tidbit on that bout that's going to be happening on the seventh in uh, Japan. But I do want to get into that main event over in Marvel Stadium in Melbourne, Australia. The undisputed, the undisputed. Be like uh, Omar if. Umar Ifan Tuesday three times. The undisputed lightweight championship bout. George Cambosis Jr. and Devin the Dream Haney. 
both of these guys came into the belt unbeaten. Of course, Cambos is unified champion, unified champion. Ifan Tunde three times, unified champion against the real WBC lightweight champion coming into this bout. Devin Haney came in there 27 and 0. And uh, man, there was like a whole lot of stuff going leading into this bout, whole lot of trash talk coming in from George Cambosas, whole lot of things where it kind of like got a little bit uh, on the level of disrespectful with what Cambosas was saying. Uh, all the stuff about you know customs and passports and and visas, travel visas, work visas for you know Devin Haney's team, all that stuff ended up getting cleared up by the day before the fight. And Devin Haney was a, a clear mind, clear body, and all of that. And he went out there and he took George Cambosis to school. That was a twelve round lesson by Devin Haney. Use the jab, just use that jab, kept his right hand up. All they had to do was just measure the distance, had great footwork. George Cambosis was right in front of him. So he just said, just kept pumping that jab at a bam, bam, bam. And that was basically all he needed. He, he had like a couple of other uh, big punches that were in there over the course of the bout. But there was nothing that George Cambosis really could have done uh, to really frustrate Devin Haney. He wasn't, the, you know, like the taller fighter. He wasn't the bigger fighter. You couldn't bully him. You couldn't push him around. You couldn't make no adjustments. Nothing like that. And went through 12 rounds. And, and, and it yes, it was a unanimous decision victory. For Devin the Dream Haney, for him to become the real undisputed champion, no dispute. That that means that everybody, all those sanctioning bodies are in agreement. WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO, they all will recognize Devin Haney as the champion. So, does get that win. My only criticism about the scorecards, only one, pretty much like one judge gave him 10 rounds. Two judges said it was 116-112. I'm trying to figure out what four rounds did George Cambosis win. That's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, I mean, I, I, I just saw the repeat of the same thing pretty much like every single round. So I'm trying to figure out what 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 what, what rounds George Cambosis won. You know, so but I mean, Devin Haney, you know, was, you know, really ecstatic, you know, getting the win. Uh, his father, Bill Haney, was talking so much shit after the fight. He's like, yo, see, yeah, 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 I told you, I told you, I told you. It was almost like a little scuffle could have happened after the fight. You know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, big ups to Devin Haney, man. Like, he went through all of that adversity and all that type of stuff. And um, and he was able to get in there and get the win. And, you know, according to, like, some people, a couple people, they feel like he had the toughest road to undisputed because of the politics and what he had to do in order to get that fight for undisputed. Because Lomachenko, they wouldn't make, they wouldn't have him fighting Lomachenko, they wouldn't have him fighting Teofimo Lopez, and he had to, according to Bob Arum, sign with the right promoter in order to get this fight, and that's crazy that he had to do it, but. He did what he had to do, took short money, 
or whatever it was, still went in there and still got the win. And I don't know if you want to see a rematch of that because that's just that was just a whole, like I said, a whole box of lessons. You know what I'm saying? So uh, real quick, uh, Terrell, jump jump on that and see uh, you know what you thought about Haney's win over George Cambosos. Yeah, it, I, I definitely enjoyed the fight uh, immensely. And like, like, I was, like I was saying, in regards to like the Stephen Fulton fight, uh, sometimes we're, we're, the, the main time we're, we're, we're talking is it's like boxing analysts, but sometimes because we're fans of the sport, you have to take a step back and just be happy for a result and truly happy for a fighter, right? Uh, we, we know just with, with Haney's story, uh, he was lobbying to fight uh, Lomachenko back in the day until they elevated Lomachenko to, to, to franchise champion. Uh, because they didn't want they didn't want him to to fight uh Haney at that time, uh which which would, would have been uh, questionable, and like could probably in in Haney's favor, with his skill set and his youth and things like that, so they so they basically made made Haney the quote unquote email champion, but still he still was a WBC champion and things like that. So, but just going fast forward back to the actual fight, uh the leader to the fight very just you know like we, like we talk about a lot of times. Only in boxing do you see this level of trash talk, uh, this level of, of, of bullshit that goes on. Uh, only, only in boxing, right? And even even some and uh, on things like what Thursday, Friday, whatever it was, when uh, Cambosis missed weight, this guy actually said that, "Oh, that's part of the deception strategy." I mean, <laughs> I, I'm like, what? <laughs> the art of war. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, like you, you dumbass. You can actually lose your belts on, on the scale if you if you want you want to fuck around and 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 lose weight and and not make weight within that uh de- the, within the designated time. And you say you you're trying to say that's you you plant that? Come on, I you, you, I mean, I mean the level of bullshit in the, in the, in the leadership fight is legendary. I mean, you look look at uh, Ken Bosa's got a a ten million dollar purse versus Haney's two million dollar purse. Uh, I mean, through no fault of the, of of, the, of their own, Haney's father had to get get over there up on the last minute visa appeals, things like that. Uh, even even Haney's cut man was not allowed in the fight due to some whatever uh, whatever paperwork issues that he had to go through. So he was allowed in the fight. I mean, it was just it was just it was just for Haney. It was just blow after blow after blow, mental blow uh, prior to the actual fight actually even happening, right? And still, when you look at the fight, <laughs> what, what did we talk about last week? Judging. No American judges. No Australian judges. I forgot. I think one of the judges from Finland or something like that or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But when they, they were announcing the scores, 116, 112, I said, oh, Lord, here we go. <laughs> They're about to take it from this, little, this young kid. They're going to have to take it from him. I was so nervous, so nervous, so nervous. But but once all the scores were announced and announced a winner, I was – Thankfully, we're relieved, relieved in our regard, in our regard. When we look at the actual fight, and actually, Jr., you definitely called a big point from last week. You said uh, Haney would definitely enjoy a size advantage over Cambosos, right? And that was that was apparent. That was definitely apparent. His size just coming in a matter of where he just it wasn't just that he's just, he's just a better fighter. He's a, he's a better athlete and better fighter, yep. able able to maneuver around the pocket in and out just like that. The speed was was like night and day, and, and the, thing, the thing the thing about it, Ken Bosa was a live dog throughout the entire fight. I'm not saying he got dog, but he was he's I mean he he was able to. Well, let me say this: if he had to 
if you have to will, a will, will versus uh, put like this. Sometimes we see ourselves doing stuff, but we just can't do it. And that, mm -hmm. that's what thing I said about Cambosis. He saw himself doing things, but he knew it. He just didn't do it. He didn't adjust. He couldn't adjust to the speed. He couldn't catch up to Dane's speed. Of course, he caught he caught he caught uh, Henny with a, a couple right hands and hooks stuff like that. That's going to happen within the course of a twelve round fight. That's going to happen. But but other than that, the main thing the, the skill set was so different. It was clearly an A level fighter versus a B level fighter, and and nine times out of ten, the A level fighters A level fighters going to win most of the most of those times in that regard. Uh, and even today, I was looking at some of the, uh, the some of the post conference talk, and once again, Cambosis is out of his damn mind. He actually sat there at the, at the post conference and said, "Oh, I hurt him quite a few times." Well, the thing about if you actually hurt him, why didn't you capitalize on that? You see what I'm saying? Yep. And the thing about it, if he hurt Haney, I didn't see that. Did you see? Did you see Haney get hurt? I definitely didn't see it. Not at all. I didn't see him get hurt at all. And I said, if you, if you think about, it, if you think you hurt him, then you should capitalize on that. Cut that ring off and capitalize on that on that moment in order to uh, uh, cause further damage. And 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 is also stated in the press in the post conference that. Uh, there's a lot of bull crap that was going on with the ref. No, the ref was straightforward. The ref was straightforward, didn't lean to one side at all. If anything, it was Cambosos that was trying to do little, little, little tactics uh, here and there and things like that. Uh, there's even one time where Cambosos actually uh, was help, was holding uh, Haney's, I think, believe it was right hand, yep. and trying to hit him and, and hit him on, on purpose while, while, while holding the guy's hand. How's that? <laughs> and thank God the ref, the ref saw that. The ref caught that. Yep. And ref was able to catch uh, some more of the, the, the little antics that Cambosos was trying, things like that. And Cambosos also said that, oh, Haney was holding her excess owner. Well, if there was an excessive holding, did he get called for it? Was there a point deduction for it? No. No. So that didn't come in, that didn't come into play in that regard. And and one of the main things I'm, I'm uh, glad to see is uh, Cambos can't say that Haney came to run. Nope. Haney was right there in his face the entire time. Pumping that jab, 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 jab. Boom. Pump, uh, just punish him with that jab and, and just counter him. And like Haney said, he took away his best weapons. Uh, mm -hmm. Away from the power hand, things like that. Your classic, he, he, like I said, he gave, he gave him a classic boxing lesson. And I was just so glad to see that. And this main thing, glad to see they, gave, they came up with the right decision. So, uh, I mean, it's so much to, 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 to dive into in this fight, but I'll just cut it off from right there. Yeah, man. And, and being about it is with, with when, like you said, we're first off with the politics of it uh, for Devin Haney. Um, like, people got to understand that, you know, for him to get his first, for him to get his first title at lightweight, they did not. They did not in the shot to get the WBC title initially when it was vacated, um, you know, by Mikey Garcia, because it was supposed to have a fight between Devin Haney and Luke Campbell for that belt, and that didn't happen. And the WBC said, "Hey, let's have uh, unified champion Russell Lomachenko go up against Luke Campbell." You know, and I'm like, "Come on, man." And then they try to come up with a tournament that was supposed to be for the vacant belt, but then they pulled they pulled that stuff off, right? So with that with that happening, and the WBC having their rules 
so there's supposed rules in place that if you win a vacant title, you're supposed to face two consecutive mandatory challengers. Right? Okay, cool. Lomachenko wins that vacant WBC belt. That means his first fight should have been against Devin Haney since Devin Haney ended up winning the interim WBC title. They didn't do that. They said, hey, we'll, we'll elevate or we'll name Lomachenko franchise champ and then we'll, we'll hand Devin Haney the belt. And then after he had one defense where, you know, he ended up getting injured, of course, uh, and so he was out for a little bit. But once he was back active, they wanted him to have those two bouts against the um, two mandatory challengers. But guess what? Neither one of those guys even wanted to face Devin Haney. So that's why, you know, Haney, you know, ended up, you know, facing like, you know, Jorge Linares and, and, and Jojo Diaz last year because the guys like the, 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 the Javier Fortuna, when Fortuna was initially a top-ready guy, he didn't want to face him. So he ended up facing Jojo Diaz, and Jojo Diaz, you know, ended up winning. And, you know, thankfully for Jojo Diaz, he was able to step up and face Devin Haney. And, if they, like, like, Jojo gets a whole lot of credit, you know, for facing the guys like Devin Haney and Gary Russell Jr. because a lot of these, a lot of these fighters didn't want to face Gary Russell. They didn't want to face Devin Haney. And, and Jojo Diaz stepped up and he faced both of those guys. And that's a 126 and 135. It's crazy. That's like two whole divisions. And, well, he skipped one, but still, he was able to do that. But, you know, like I said, Javier Fortuna wouldn't face him. Uh, 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 um, Ryan Garcia wouldn't face him. You know, when they're supposed to be the, you know, the top-rated guys or whatnot, right? So how you going to have that? And y'all don't even have the guys available for Devin Haney to fight. So he had to go through all that. He had to go through the whole stuff with Vasily Lomachenko. And he had to go through that bull, bull crap with Teofimo Lopez talking about he ain't the real champion. Now I'm the undisputed champion, all that bull crap. You know what I'm saying? See, I'm keep trying to keep it a little bit cleaner there for Vasily Academic. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, Teofimo, you know, was messing around and he ended up getting beat by you know cambosis and you know now here you have this first defense for cambosis or whatever it is he goes up against devin haney and he gets schooled by devin haney um for a clear decision win and devin haney is the undisputed champion like i said without dispute um they say that they're gonna have a rematch i don't know why they would have a rematch only reason why they sh they should have a rematch is if they paid Devin Haney close to that ten million dollars that George Cambosis got, you know, <clears> this first bout. That's the only that's the only you know reason they, they would probably have had that. But outside of that, there's really not really much of a need for a rematch there uh, between Devin Haney and George Cambosis. Um, I think Haney kind of like proved himself in the in this instance, and you know, in, in a sense, if they don't have a rematch. I wouldn't be surprised one iota if Bob Arum sets up a fight between Devin Haney and Vasyl Lomachenko. You know, um, what I mean, we'll have to see what the numbers is. Numbers don't make sense so with all parties involved. You know, um, 
with Bob Arum, with Devin Haney, and 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 uh, and um, Lou DeBella. Uh, there with DeBella Entertainment, as DeBella uh, is a promoter for George Cambosis. I know that Peter Kahn, uh, I think, probably put some money in uh, for this particular bout as well. Uh, he's the manager for George Cambosis and whatnot. Uh, but as far as like you know, the rematch, we'll see if, if all the numbers you know were good enough for all parties involved, then they'll say, hey, yeah, let, let's go ahead and go for the rematch. But if not, then you'll probably see Devin Haney against Vasilomachenko either in Las Vegas or in New York City, Madison Square Garden for those undisputed titles. Because you know, y'all know that they're trying to, they're still trying to get Lomachenko up there, trying to do something uh, over at Lightweight. But if I'm telling you right now, if Devin Haney and Vasilomachenko face each other, Next, Haney's going to stop him. He's going to stop Lomachenko. Put it on the record. Devin Haney stops Vasil Lomachenko, especially with it being at 135. He's going to stop him. That's how, that's how I got on that. Um, Want to get, uh, like, boxing academic, uh, you've been chilling. Uh, you got anything on uh, Haney's performance against George Cambosis? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um so obviously it was a good performance for Devin Haney. He um he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, I have a disagreement with Terrell in that he said it's an A fighter versus a B fighter. I think you overrating both of these guys. It's a B plus fighter against a C plus fighter. Um because you know it, it, it takes a different skill level to be A. I don't think Devin Haney, we can put him in the ranks of, of an A just yet because, you know, that's the likes of a Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather and Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. I think B-plus is, is more relevant. And, you know, what, what, what I found out about Cambosas was that he's a slightly above average fighter. You know, which a C plus is is very fitting. And so yesterday's fight was the tale of how you fight an above average fighter between two separate fighters, and the outcome can be totally different. Obviously, two separate fighters have two separate skill sets, but you take one fighter in Devin Haney, who led with the jab, who finished with the jab, who led with the jab, he hit him with the right hand, and he finished with the jab to where he could get out and use that jab as sort of as a defensive jab. Uh, when you first started off, Cambosas was very responsive. He was throwing shots, and he was literally just just inches or, or millimeters away from landing. If not, if he wasn't landing, and it was just like, oh, crap, if he keeps this up, one of these punches going to land. You have another fighter in Teofimo who didn't jab, and you see the difference in, in those two fights. It's just It's just so much easier to make a above average fighter be an above average fighter. If you jab mm. that, you know, that's, that's the moral of the story. Um, Cambosas as, as Terrell said to me, Cambosas had a point in the fight where he, he had a crossroad and, you know, me and Terrell was, was messaging and it was like, we both was like, well, he about to get reckless. And the crazy thing is, when he got to that fork in the road, 
he looked he was like i'm not willing to go to that place he didn't even press it enough to get like super super reckless and i would i would go so far to rate it as a character thing you know i'm not saying like like nothing bad bad about him but what i'm saying is in the face of adversity where he needed to like crank it up and and maybe cranking it up was him pushing the line a little bit and and trying to like do something to like really change the course of the fight i think he just kept with the flow of the boat like he just let the boat go in the direction it was going versus trying to like row it in against the current and that to me was like yeah slightly above average fighter and it makes me sort of Tiafimo is a good fighter, but Tiafimo in himself is is a B fighter, B level fighter, maybe even a B minus, probably a B minus level fighter. Mm. Yeah, because you know with, with with Lopez, it was almost like he was too smug going into that bout against uh, George Cambosis Jr. and that level of overconfidence pretty much like got him. You know, he 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 kind of like got humbled in a bit early, but he didn't even he didn't even really adjust to that. But that's that's kind of like you no know, a, a a slight on him and his coach, trainer, father, yeah, senior, right? Definitely. So so like you said, it, 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 you know, if you're putting someone like George Cambosis as like a C level fighter or you know like a C minus fighter, uh, then yeah, he. Like against someone like a Devin Haney, if Devin Haney, like you said, is not A level, but he's like B level or whatever it is, he's gonna make a C minus or a C level fighter look really, you know, uh, 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 bad out there. And, average. Yeah, very average. And you talked about that point where George Cambosis had to realize that he had to really do something in order to get back into the fight, you know, and. He, he couldn't really do that. He couldn't make no adjustments. He couldn't see that, you know, in, 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 the, in the course of the fight that I saw, especially in the second half of the fight, when Devin Haney was like either jabbing or kind of like was within range of George Cambosis, a lot of times he would duck down in order to get away from Cambosis or get, or and get, get under him, get away from the punch, right? And for some reason, George Cambosis couldn't really realize that and just, you know what, instead of, you know, throwing up high, throw a lead uppercut cut, or throw a feint and then throw a lead uppercut because you know that Devin Haney is having a tendency of ducking downwards. So try to meet him where he's going to be at. Go there, left uppercut. Bam. I know you say you got a left hook, but at least try to do a left uppercut because that left hook wasn't going to work while Devin Haney was up upright throwing a jab and keeping his right hand up he's looking for that left hook coming back from you so why not try to do something where you could you could pretty much like counter with the right and if he's going downwards you go with the left uppercut but you've never seen that from George Cambosis and then there was like another point where he lunged out when throwing a punch and he ended up having his face go through the ropes so it was like you you didn't really realize the urgency of what was happening within the eighth round, the ninth round, or whatever it is, and you didn't step up the pace to where you could be very efficient. But 
you know, like you said, they're boxing academic. If he's like a C level or C minus level fighter, he's just going to be someone that's right there in front of you, right in the line, not moving his head, not moving out a little bit, not being known for like trying to see what you're doing and, and, and throw counters or try to slip a jab and then come back with a counter or something like that. Like he, he's not, you know, at that particular uh, point. And I think with, with this particular bout, See, that's the George Cambosis that I that I expected to be in the ring against Teofimo Lopez because before that bout against Teofimo Lopez, I really wasn't that sold on George Cambosis. I wasn't I wasn't that impressed in his fights against Mickey Bay. I wasn't impressed in his fight against Lee Selby. I thought that he lost against Lee Selby. And but you know, judges, you know, got him the win. And that win set him up to be a mandatory challenger for Teofimo Lopez. And he, you know, got the got the bread or, you know, whatever bread that he got. It should have been a little bit north of a million dollars because of the whole purse bid stuff or whatever it is, maybe. And then after that, he turns around and he gets, you know, all this bread for this fight against Devin Haney. So he came out good from a financial standpoint for his, you know, past two fights. But from a skill perspective, like he's he's not there. He's just not there. Well, kind of, I got a few more points as well. Also, real quick, uh, just to kind of build on what you're saying right there. So at this point now, we know that for like for David Haney, for example, the world is his. This guy can go and fight who he wants to fight. Uh, what about for Cambosos, right? So we know. Put like this. Uh, I fully expect him to uh, exercise uh, the rematch clause, right? Because you look, you look about, look at. If he doesn't do that, what's next for him? Nothing. Mediocrity. Just think about it. At this point, uh, and, and even even in this fight with Haney, we know for from from our view, it was it's pretty much a one sided affair, and at least one of the ju- one of the judges had it right in uh, scoring that correctly with the one eight one team one eighteen one ten one ten score. But so I mean, for this fight, he at this point he has to uh, exercise the rematch clause, and reason and the main the main motivator for that is money. It's period money. You go. So, I mean, because the thing about it, uh, with that many people at the, uh, the at, at the live gate, I don't know how much money that's going to generate. Uh, things like that in terms of U.S. dollars, but with that, obviously, it should be a significant amount. Uh, even if it's not at the same Marvel studio, uh, Marvel Marvel. Uh, Stadium, or whatever, or even at a smaller, a smaller stadium, it's still gonna be a significant live gate. So you get, you get for them, they can't just ignore that. So in a sense, it's gonna be a cash out fight for the rematch in every in every regard. Because think about it, uh, if he doesn't exercise the rematch, what's next for him? Mediocrity, because he's gonna have to come back on the road to the stateside and fight some other opponent opponent that doesn't uh, have uh, much uh, celebrity status in, in regards to. Uh, uh, Haney and, and trying to try and get those belts back. I mean, and according to him and his team, <laughs> they were robbed, even though he gave uh, Haney full credit. But just once again, just what's next for him? So it, it, it just makes sense for him to exercise rematch clause. That's the most logical thing for him and his team to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I personally thought the fight was boring. Uh, personally, I, I, you know, and I'm not even slighting slighting Devin Haney because it ain't Devin's fault that he followed his game plan and it worked. People will likely say Devin Haney's fights are boring, which I have said that before. 
but it ain't his fault that his opponents don't have enough skill to make it more exciting. I think it was boring, but it ain't Devin's fault. It's his opponent's fault. Number two, Devin beats Tio with the jab. And number three, I think Linares might do well against Cambosis, if not beat him. Jeez, that could be a possible fight if Lenard is still, you know, still active or whatnot. You know, he yeah, like if he if he ain't if he ain't like a shell of himself, then he right. should do right. well. Right. But you know, like Terrell said, um, there there's got to be a rematch. There's got to be a rematch because it would be foolish in, in Cambosis' part. It would be foolish in. Um, Luda Bella's part, and you know it would be foolish in in uh, you know Cambosis' advantages part, man. Um, that they wouldn't go through with the rematch. They already got like ten million for this initial fight, so whatever split that they have, you know, I guess an agreement for the rematch or whatever it is, they're gonna have to go for it because there's no there's no way that George Cambosis Jr. is getting anywhere near that facing anybody out there in the ring. You know, um, and it, this also kind of like goes to a point here, too, um, in reference to the thing with Devin Haney and getting a shot. And I know that uh, 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 George Cambosos is saying like, oh, you know, I was the one that, you know, stepped up when 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 uh, uh, Teofimo Lopez said that he wouldn't fight him and 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 and, and uh, Vasil Machenko wouldn't fight him. I'm like, wait a minute, stop right there, bro. You would have, you were real, real, real close to facing Vasilo Machenko in your first defense of those titles. And if it wasn't for the whole thing that was going to, going over in the border of Ukraine or the former Soviet Union or whatever it is, you would have been facing Vasilo Machenko. You wouldn't have been facing Devin Haney. You know what I'm saying? So all this stuff about, oh, oh, Devin Haney's a rat and all that type of stuff, like you weren't really. He was not really up to facing Devin Haney. They were they were ready real quick to have him fight Vasil Lomachenko. And he would have been satisfied. You know, Luda Bella, sorry, Luda Bella, but you would have been satisfied. Peter Kahn, the manager, he would have been satisfied if they would have had a two-fight deal between George Cambosis Jr. and Vasil Lomachenko because their main goal ever since beating Teofimo Lopez was to get a multi-fight deal. That was it. That's all they wanted. They wanted a multi-fight deal. They didn't care who it was against. They just wanted a multi-fight deal so that at least, at the very least, they're guaranteed some type of money in the second fight. It's like uh, Terrell was saying. If Cambosis went in there against a Devin Haney or against a, 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 a Vasmo Machenko and lost, and didn't have a rematch clause, nothing like that, he would have probably been right back to mediocrity. You know? I'm like, most of his fights, you know, were over in Australia for a good amount of time. He's had a couple of fights over in Vegas or Greece or, you know, New York City before, you know, going into the fight against Lee Selby in Wembley Arena. But outside of that, you, like, you ain't really going to get a large following out there in Australia like that. Unless if your your name is what Tim Zoo, you know Tim folks were like on Tim Zoo, you know what I'm saying? They were like on them, or or 
like even with Jeff Horn, that that run with Jeff Horn was very very brief. So if you're not gonna have that type of following, or you don't have that big following organically before you even fight for these titles, what makes you think that you're gonna get any type of interest after losing these titles, unless if you face Devin Haney again? That's not gonna happen. So there was only one way that he he can go in this instance, and that is against Devin Haney once again, because ain't nobody else gonna wanna ain't gonna face him, man. Like like a, a Gar- Ryan Garcia, he, he got his thing going on with Javier Fortuna that's coming up. You know, Tank Davis ain't going to face him. Nah. He might end up facing uh, Michelle Ali Rivera or somebody like that, you know, next or, or I don't know, a rematch with um or a rematch with Eastock Cruz before facing Ryan Garcia in 2023. But everybody else in the lightweight division that's up there, nah, they ain't, they ain't. Yeah, they ain't gonna be calling George Cambosa's number. No, they ain't gonna do that. You know, so I'm like, he, yeah, he's gonna have to. Man, I, I like, if I was him, I'd be like Monday or Tuesday. I'm making that phone call. Yeah, um, you know, I, I got this ten million, and um, you know what? I'm kind of liking this. Like, uh, what, what, what was that deal? The, the, the. The uh split for the rematch. Yeah, I know I know I got beat real bad. I know I got embarrassed, but yeah, that split's kind of looking real, real good right now. I'll I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll go ahead and take it and click. So he just gets paid. Like you said, Terrell, cash out. Cash out. Because if he loses, loses again and gets embarrassed again, that's it for him. Like there's no real in, there would no there will really be no real interest. For George Cambosis to face anybody out there in the lightweight division, you know, unless it be what what he's gonna face someone like a Richard Comey, you know, or or uh maybe he faces his stablemate Emmanuel Tago. Like outside of that, like who like who we gonna face, you know? Ryan Gar- see- nah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just real quick, just uh on uh Ryan Garcia, he made a tweet. They said it was a it was a boring, uh, boring fight, pretty much. I'm like, dude, who are you? Who are you to talk? You are no one to talk. Look who you faced in your last fight. Look at you. Look at look at your issues that you that you went through within the past year. It's just this all cap come from the dude. Just it's ridiculous. But so, but like I said, for Cambosos, uh, at this point, if he doesn't take the rematch, he's just gonna be a name opponent, that, and that's it. Oh, he's so. He's and just had that glory of being announced as oh he's a former uh, lightweight champion and stuff like that, yep. but that, that that only carries you so, so far. It doesn't carry the purse things like that. It just carries, gives you a name. That's it. So uh, at this point, rematch either rematch or fade into the black. That's all you can do. Definitely. Yeah, Ryan Garcia out here talking about uh, 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 Devin Haney had a uh, uh, bland fight. Um, it was a NyQuil type of performance. Um, and uh, they, like he said, what is it on his tweet? He said, Congrats to Haney, but it was definitely just a bland fight. Anyways, I'll just say, You know who I want after Fortuna, let them have their rematch. That's you know, of course, Haney and Cambosas. Absolutely, NyQuil type of performance. 
And he, uh, you know, of course, he's talking about Tank Davis. Um, and what did Tank say? Well, uh, Ryan Garcia made a tweet, and he said, Ronte, you watching this stuff? When we fight, don't let it be like this. And what did Tank <laughs> and he said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, but I mean, the thing is, like, you had, of course, uh, Ryan Garcia, you know, be in, in attendance at the Barclays Center, um, you know, for a tank fight that was last weekend. Um, and, you know, you know, for me, it's basically with him being in attendance for that, they're pretty much setting up the you know, the stuff for uh, him, you know, Garcia, Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis to face each other. And, you know, I said, y'all might as well strike on this while y'all can. I mean, it's probably the biggest fight that can be made as far as like from a pop culture standpoint or given, you know, uh, uh, fan bases or actually anybody within the age range of 18 to like 27, 28, maybe, you know, uh, this is the quote unquote social media fight of the decade or whatever it could be or what, what it, whatever it, could, it is, right? So they're just trying to have, you know, Garcia had this particular bout, you know, he, he'd be fairly active, you know what I'm saying? He'd have, you know, this bout and, uh, you know, his previous bout against Emmanuel Tego. So it would be Tego and then uh, Javier Fortuna. And then after that, it would be Tank Davis. Uh, Tank Davis uh, in the interim, will he face anyone? Like I said, it might be Michelle Rivera. Who knows? Uh, but if that's the case, then, you know, I think his fight against Rivera or whoever his opponent is is going to be around October or by October, you know. Um, yeah, that would be October. Uh, you know, as far as, like, big fights are concerned, uh, you would have, like I said, Canelo against that Golovkin guy in September. You would have Tank Davis uh, fighting in October, and you would have Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford in November. And that would kind of like shape up what, what would be the uh, events, so to speak, in boxing over the you know second half of the year. So that's kind of like what I'm looking at uh, as far as like that overall schedule or whatnot um, in, in that sense. But, uh, yeah, with Devin Haney, like I said, I mean, it should be – I want to see like how – you know, not only like boxing fans, but like the, the public kind of like react to uh, Devin Haney, you know, getting this win to become the undisputed champion at lightweight. Because, you know, everyone talks about this whole Four Kings stuff and whatever all these other guys are doing. But Devin Haney just said, hey, this is what I want to do in order to prove to the people that I am the best lightweight out there. And so that's what he's going to have. He's going to say, hey. I'm the best lightweight. I'm the undisputed champion. It doesn't matter who's out there. It could be Teofimo Lopez, Vasilo Matenko, Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, Isak Cruz, or whatever. All of them ain't me. All of them ain't the champ. I'm the champ. You know? And so that's going to be one thing on his uh, end of the bargain. And it'll be interesting to see how top rank treats Devin Haney in this sense. Given what has happened, of course, over many, many, many years before Terrence Crawford uh, stepped up and, and, and put up that lawsuit against Top Frank, which 
from what I'm hearing, it didn't really go very far. But either way, I mean, even after that, you you got, of course, of course, Stevenson against Oscar Valdez pretty quickly. And now you get Devin Haney under under them, and he gets this immediate shot for an undisputed title. So we'll see how uh, top rank treats Devin Haney after him becoming the undisputed champion or whatnot. And I'll, just one one last thing. I know we're probably getting ready to wrap up. Yeah. Say uh, for example, uh, there's a rematch with Cambosis and Haney. And, and of course, if, that, if that's the case, we all know how we expect that to go. Does top rank have further options on Haney to keep him on the contract? Or does Haney have the opportunity to go back to being his own, in a sense, free agent? Um, I had to see, I think it was like a minimum of three fight deal. And, you know, even in the history, the known history of top rank, they do give those top rank specials where if you're still a champion, they, they had that, you know, option to extend the contract. So at the very minimum, he has uh, one other fight after the rematch, if the rematch does happen. Uh, so, and that's why I think, like, Lomachenko is still out there as far as, like, a guy that Devin Haney would face. But I still feel like, you know, with, with Vasil Lomachenko, his time is kind of like, limited in a sense uh, as far as like what he what he could do with in his professional career you know um of course he you know he hasn't had that many fights but with him you know having that extended career at, at amateur being 27 years old and fighting 18 year olds at 27 or whatever it was you know he he wanted to i guess have fun as amateur and so he, he did did what he did as amateur and then he does you know had his old fights as a pro and, you know, like I said, I wonder how top rank, you know, tweets Devin Haney because you have this whole propaganda machine behind Vasilomachenko where some people want to erase one or two losses off of Vasilomachenko's record, you know. Uh, but now we're going to see what, what Lomachenko could do here in, in this particular instance against someone like a Devin Haney who's much bigger, much stronger, uh, faster than him and could have the footwork that would be uh, more than what, you know, uh, Vasil Matenko has seen over the course of his career. That's why he's had issues ever since he's been at lightweight. Like, for me, you know, he, he he's, you know, dealt with issues. He had dealt with issues when he, you know, faced Jorge Linares. He had issues, you know, when he was facing, um, you know, uh, Pedraza, you know, to a certain extent. You know, um, even with, you know, like Luke Campbell in, in a couple times, he did have a couple issues because of the size. And so, you know, with that being said, it's like, yo, you're going up against someone like a Teofimo Lopez who's much younger, uh, much bigger, you know, and, and has the hands and has power. That's why you couldn't really engage with someone like Teofimo Lopez because he knows that if he gets cracked by Lopez, he's going to get dropped. So he didn't want to, he didn't want to, he didn't want to try all that. He didn't want to, he didn't want to take that risk. So if he goes up against someone like a like a, 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 a Devin Haney, he might he might he might have real issues. And like I said, if he goes up against Devin Haney, Devin Haney's gonna stop him. And we all know that if he goes up against Tank Davis, Tank Davis is gonna knock him clean out. Saying that right now, goes up against Tank Davis, Tank Davis is gonna knock him clean out. So that's the options there for Vasilomachenko. If he feels like he wants to cash out, 
hey, you got two options there, buddy. You got Devin Haney and you got Tank Davis. Pick one. You know? And, and that's the thing on that. So if, if they feel like a hey, Vasilomachenko, what would be the most lucrative route for him? They better pick that quick because uh, he's there at 34 years old, um, you know, and he's had that extended career over in the amateurs. And and, and, and I said it from the get-go, once he hit uh, lightweight, I said, that's his limit. Uh, that's his limit. Like, he, he, like he, he can't really do that much more after that. And he ain't getting any younger, of course. So he better figure out what he's going to do here real quick. Talking about going up against someone like a Richard Comey and and you talking about oh he showed out against Richard Comey. I'm like what? But many people say like Richard Comey. I'm like yeah he did win a world title, but yeah he got cracked in two rounds by Teofimo Lopez. So what is Richard Comey really? In a sense, so I, I I'd be very interested to see if, if top rank is really trying to set up that bout between. Devin Haney and Vasil Machenko, if there is no rematch between Haney and Cambosis. Otherwise, you can't have uh, Lomachenko just sitting around waiting on something to happen because we're getting to be about, what, six months? Uh, six months, and we don't know what uh, Lomachenko's next fight is. So they're going to have to make a move on that. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see. Yeah, and just, just, just one last point. Uh, like for example, with, with top rank, for example, for one, Bob Aaron was very, very quiet at the post conference presser, very quiet, had next to nothing to say, right? Even when he was, uh, even when uh, Haney's father, Bill Haney, came at him, hey, what's up, Bob? What you think? Had very little to say, but you think you know, already know, uh, Aaron's just sitting there thinking, trying to think one step ahead, uh, how, how they can benefit top rank. And one thing with that's what I was kind of just curious about in regards to Haney, if top rank has options on him. How long can they keep him, especially with the, with the uh, absence of Terrence Crawford from this table, right? So he, he's thinking about trying to how, how can they quickly replace the top talent. And Haney is a top talent, given that what he's done and what he's accomplished at this point now. Uh, so it's even something like what Shakur Stevenson, Haney in this table, things like that. And whatever else they can do to, to maintain their, their their top status as far as, far as being a, a top promotion firm. So me personally, I want Haney to get up out of there and go back to being his own promotional free agent and not have to worry about uh, being, uh, uh, what would we say, handled like like they handle Crawford. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to, I do not want to be uh, subject to those things like that. So, because he's already proven that I, I can go out there and negotiate my own deal, whether that be with, back with the zone or whoever it may be, and do what I need to do and not have to be uh, dependent upon a promoter, especially. Uh, Evil one like top rank. Yeah. I mean, like he's, you know, Devin Haney, you know, even at, you know, the age that he's at, like since he was what, like 20 or 21, maybe even 19, um, he has had his own promotional company, you know? And, you know, with that being said, that that kind of like says that, hey, I'm like, I, I should get, you know, more out of the deal that, you know, um, other fighters usually get. You know, so, you know, with that being said, like what what is it going to take in order for him to uh, put himself in a position to get the best deals out there, regardless of who he fights? You know, so uh, my thing would be like um, if it's not going to be 
the rematch here against George Cambosis. Who is he going to fight next? And is that going to be like how how it was where he's kind of like the uh, main, um, you know, promoter or be like a, a, a partial promoter in these deals? So we'll see how that turns out here for Devin Haney, especially with him, like you said, being under top rank. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, that is uh, me. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up here for this particular episode. Uh, for the next one, it will likely uh, be on Monday, June 13th. Um, either that or we'll see what happens on Sunday because during the weekend, I will, sh- I will be on site for the International Boxing Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Uh, that will be, like I said, like it's going to be the biggest one that's out there, of course, because they are going to officially induct three classes, 2020, 2021, and 2022. So you're going to have, you know, all of those uh, fighters in there from, you know, uh, Miguel Cotto, well, Miguel Cotto's in this class. Roy Jones Jr. is in this class. Holly Holm is in this class. James Tony is in this class. And the 2021 class includes Layla Ali, Vladimir Klitschko, Ann Wolf, Andre Ward, and Floyd Mayweather Jr. And then 2020's class includes people like Shane Mosley, Juan Manuel Marquez, Christy Martin, uh, Bernard Hopkins and Lucia Riker. So that that's that's like a whole lot of people. What is this like? Uh, that's like 15, it's gonna be a total of 15, 16, 17 people that will be inducted uh, this year. So uh, from June 9th to June 12th uh, is that ceremony, but I'll be there uh, on June 11th and June 12th scheduled. So uh, that's going to be a big, big, big event uh, there. And um, we'll see uh, what I can do in uh, reference to that. But I might like end up going live on YouTube, possibly for the induction ceremony earlier in the day on June 12th. So if I do that, y'all will know later on down the line. But yeah, that's it as far as like this particular episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. Uh, thank uh, Boxing Academic and Terrell for joining in on this one. And like I said, at the end of every show, folks, supporting boxing is a hit and not a hit, not a standing trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. Later.